Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. All year long, now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. And mentioned earlier, more of an anecdotal way. Alabama's number one recruit in this here class is already Ohio State's number one transfer in this here class. Folks, Alabama's roster is getting strip mined. And they're bringing in now DeBoer and his guys are bringing in some UW talent, but also they're looking around. Um, it's There's some superstars like Caleb Downs. Man, had a bad moment against Texas. Okay, and then he was a superstar, and it's not just him. So it has been a a long list of names being out of that portal, and then they're finding new homes. I want to welcome on right now, and so much more to talk about, including it looks like the coaching staff may be put together all the way from on three. It's Charlie Potter. Charlie, how are you, man? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Let's talk about, first of all, um, do you th- the thirty day window to enter still hadn't expired? <laughs> so, um, is the number set? Like, is the hemorrhaging is the faucet off in Tuscaloosa, or could we still see guys jump in? In your opinion? Well, I mean, you look at the the Weather Channel. It's it's been real cold here in Tuscaloosa, and I think the the plan or the the advice is to keep your faucet dripping. So there might be some drips here and there, but I think for the most part. Um, what felt like drinking out of a fire hose is, is over. Um, but I, I think in the grand scheme of things, I heard your, your intro there. Alabama's lost 10 guys since Nick Saban retired. I think if you had said uh, before, you know, going into it, knowing there's going to be a 30-day window and Nick Saban would kind of retire a little out of the blue, there'd be more than 10 players into the portal. Now, granted, Alabama had um, damn near 20 before that. And, and that's because – they got to get down to 85. Um, you've got guys that entered the portal as soon as that December 4th window opened. But it hasn't been just a complete gutting of the roster. There's been some big names. There's been some starters. Caleb Downs, obviously, you mentioned is the, the big one. But I think for the most part, the bleeding has um, is at least in control. Uh, I still think, like you said, there's there's a, almost three weeks left to go uh, in this. Um, but it's, it's a situation where I don't think you're going to have just another onslaught of guys you're choosing to enter the portal. All right, so let's uh, take this in chunks. Um, first of all, Alabama has also been adding some talent. Some of that is from the University of Washington. Talk about some of the incoming guys that are familiar with the new head coach. Yeah, I think two of them are kind of positions of need when you look at what's left, whether via the transfer portal or even the draft. Um yeah, you know, I think Alabama fans and really just people that watch the Rose Bowl and, and Alabama throughout the season um, saw that Alabama needed to make an upgrade at the center position. You know, Seth McLaughlin moved on to Ohio State, and they were able to get a guy like uh, Brailsford to come in from um, Washington. You know, he's a young, kind of smaller center, but you watch his tape, and you know he plays 
really well, really aggressively. I think that's a big addition for this staff. Uh, Jeremy Bernard is a guy when you're losing you know, your three wide receivers, your three starting wide receivers, at least the guys that chunk that started the, the chunk of the games in Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond and Malik Benson, you know, adding in a, a player that has potential wide receiver one capability is, is huge. And then mm-hmm. obviously, you know, bringing in a quarterback like Austin Mack, and he's familiar with this staff, uh, losing a guy like Julian Sands. It's, um, it helps whenever you're just adding another uh, piece to the room and one that's familiar with this coaching staff. And, and this guy's a big dude, and, and everything that's been said about him has been really positive. So, you know, we'll see um, what happens. I don't think they're finished in terms of adding players from the portal. Uh, and there's still some positions out there, specifically a defensive back, that they're going to look to target. But I think so far, it's been a, a few nice additions for Kalen DeBoer and this coaching staff. Sometimes things aren't very interesting. Is there anything interesting or unusual about Caden Proctor transferring back home? No, I mean, I think just from from talking to people and and hearing things as you do around this time of year, I think he's been a guy that's been homesick. I think his injury late in the season didn't really help with that. I think this happened before Nick Saban retired. Um, So, you know, it's not like he up and left and went to Georgia or Ohio State. You know, he went to the school that he was committed to before Alabama, um, a school that's in his home state of Iowa. And that one that one makes a lot of sense. I don't think those relationships, um, you know, ended. And that's what good coaching staffs do. They maintain those. And, you know, with Nick Saban leaving and that window opening for him again, uh, I think he, he sees his moment. And, yeah, Caden's a guy that I think he progressed over the course of the season. He had some rough patches. But uh, I don't I don't think like being the starting left tackle at a place like the University of Alabama and struggling helps with being, you know, a homesick college freshman. So, um, you know, he's got an opportunity to go back home and um, I'm sure he'll play a lot less snaps at a place like Iowa, but maybe that'll do some good. A few more minutes, Charlie Potter on three. Um, this is supposed to be like a big, giant, fat, number 10 wash tub full of opportunity for Auburn. Um, there's so much they're taking care of in their own program right now. It's almost been like, yeah, we know, we know. Um, Saban retired, we're aware. Uh, just look across state just a little bit. Um, this seems like, you know, the opportunity that other coaches were just crossing their fingers for, and it's here now, and Hugh Freeze is trying to fill out his own staff. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten one Alabama player out of the portal, Antonio Kai, who was the guy that – he looked to be maybe in competition um, for one of those corner spots at Alabama. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, it's, you know, no, no T-Rob, nothing like that. Um, you're right, though. I mean, I, I think Hugh Freeze has his own things to deal with. Uh, I think they, they hired or they're going to hire DJ Durkin, who's a guy that, you know, was mentioned for, for some of Alabama's positions, even for Nick Saban. Um, retired so you know it hasn't been i know they've they celebrated i think the tumor's corner the the trees got rolled whenever yeah. nick saban yeah. announced his retirement but you know beyond that yeah i mean it's it's not like auburn's just in a uh, state of consistency where they can um just go out and, and pick cherry pick players like texas ohio state some of these other programs even Ole miss so um you know it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens in this this rivalry moving forward because you've no longer got Nick Saban around, but um, you know so far it hasn't been Auburn taking advantage of some of the or Alabama being knocked to the mat a little bit. You know, Alabama's starting to get back up, and we'll see how they respond to some punches. 
I think Kalen DeBoer and his staff is going to do in-state. Um, and I'm talking about the relationship thing because, I mean, my gosh, if you filmed an instructional video on how to screw it up, that'd be Brian Harson. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I do think, though, seeing some of the things he did staff-wise, it, it was always going to be a situation where he's going to bring – his guys in um, a lot of the guys on that Washington staff, especially on the offensive side of the football, he's been with at multiple stops. They've been with him. Some of them since Sioux Falls. So that was always going to happen, but retaining guys like Robert Gillespie, the running backs coach yep. and Freddie Roach, who's a guy from in state who played at Alabama. who's not only coached at Alabama, but coached at places like South as well. Um, and then bringing in a guy like Kane Womack, the defensive coordinator from South Alabama. He has ties to this state. I think those are moves that uh, will help. Um, you know, these these guys can't recruit, but keeping together a lot of that support staff as well. We've seen with you know Alabama kind of ironing out some of these contractual things with uh, the guys coming over from UW. We've seen guys like HaHa Clinton Dix and uh, Josh Chapman and Denzel Duvall. They've been out on the road, so I think he's done the right things so far. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. They, they've got, they just are coming off of a huge recruiting weekend. Ryan Williams was in town. If they can land that, I think that people will start to, to not worry about what they can do from a, an in-state recruiting standpoint. All right, last couple of things, Charlie, let's run. Um, any word? Has there been any sort of unfolding of the plans for Nick Saban's involvement? Yeah, I mean, it's been quiet on Saban's part. Um, that's not too surprising for us local guys we haven't even talked to him since he announced his retirement but you know i guess that's just the way things were um but greg burns kind of laid it out a little bit he's called him an advisor i don't think nick saban's going to be at the office you know five days a week i know he's been uh, down in florida i think he was on the golf channel yesterday as nick dunlap won his first pga event as a, an amateur because obviously nick saban's a big fan of the golf program and a fan of golf in general but i think he was involved in the um in the hiring process i think he's been uh, involved just in terms of you know this roster retention to some extent and you know it's it's not surprising that guys enter the portal because they came to Alabama, but a lot of them came to Alabama to, to play for Nick Saban, and he's no longer going to be the head coach. But I think Nick Saban will be as involved as he wants to be. Um, you know, how much that is remains to be seen. I do think he's going to try to take advantage of this retirement and enjoy time with his family. You know, he's probably going to be doing some, some TV stuff, I had to imagine. Uh, but just in terms of, of what he's going to do, and we haven't really heard from the man himself other than he's got an office over at Brian Denny. We'll just see how yep. often he's going to be over there. I promise, like, if you see him at the Milo's drive through in that Mercedes, like, he'll tweet <laughs> out a picture, right? Yeah, if that were to happen, though, I don't know if I would believe it. Like, it's one of those things where um, – Oh, the son-in-law got the keys? Anger. Yeah, like I'd have to like be very close to make sure it's Nick Saban, and at that point, it'd be kind of weird. But um, I don't, I don't expect him to continue to, or to, to start to do normal things now that he's a part of society. Yeah, he's got fifty years of like the non-normal stuff, like going to golf tournaments that he's not done in the yeah. offseason. All right, when, brother, when, I appreciate you as always, man. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right, it's Charlie Potter. Yeah, he's, you know what Nick Saban wouldn't be doing on January twentieth. Because that's usually 10, 12, 13, 15 days to signing. You know what he wouldn't be doing? Hanging out in the hospitality tent at a golf tournament. So at some point, because, and I said this was actually the cool part, because when he showed up after the five, five six, what, for the 07 season, when he showed up for the 07 season, 
I mentioned this when he made his announcement a couple weeks ago. Gun for hire, man. Join while you can. He and his wife put down roots. And so he'll be back. You'll see him at the drive-thru. Milo's unsweet tea with a Splenda cheeseburger with extra brown sauce. Um, you'll see him in the, his Mercedes there. He'll be around town just doing his regular normal stuff. He's not doing it now, though, because he. there are things all through the year that we thought, well, no, it doesn't work 365. George O'Leary, the former UCF and Georgia Tech coach, had a house up at this place called Lake Oconee. And I mean, it's, we did, I interviewed him up there. He's like, yeah, come on up. I was like, all right. Think about an 11,000 square foot log cabin. All right. So in like custom built log cabin, it's a big giant mansion ish thing on the water. It just happens to be made out of logs. So George O'Leary said he spent, it was like nine days there last year. He said, I'm working. I'm a head coach. So Nick Saban, he had a house up at, um, oh gosh, uh, in Rabin, Georgia, like way up north in Georgia and Rabin County. And he did not spend a whole ton of time up there. Some. What he doesn't do is like go to the Major League Baseball All-Star game. What he doesn't do is, I don't know, sit in the president's suite or the athletic director's suite or press the flesh on a Saturday during the game. So what he doesn't do, what he doesn't do is stand out in the rain in Tampa and just try to slog out a 17-3 to win, I think, over a bad South Florida team at the time. He's not. He's got other stuff. To, then he'll be in Tuscaloosa and he'll be driving around and he'll be doing his regular stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come back. Continue hour two next. Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I believe that name image likeness has created a new world of ops for one group of players. Even if they don't receive $1, Chuck Oliver Show continues on this Monday. Thank you all for coming here. We talk college football year-round. Thank you all. When I say name, image, likeness has created a new world of ops for one group of players, it's not even an opportunity to get paid cash. In modern-day college football in 2024, Colt Brennan doesn't have to go to Hawaii anymore to the WAC program with literally nothing to lose, much less Saddleback Community College anymore. Um, what I am talking about, if you don't remember, Colt Brennan. Colt, uh, the guy at Hawaii. Yes, he was the guy at Hawaii after he had been the guy at Saddleback, after he for a minute had been the guy at Colorado. Colorado was a precursor to Baylor, at least in the accusations. All kinds of on-campus sexual assault and this, that, and the third. 
And so Colt Brennan is this big, giant quarterback recruit, and he says, I'm going to Colorado. And he shows up, and he has a redshirt year, and he gets accused of uh, he was drunk, and he went into a girl's apartment, and he accused he, he was accused of touching her inappropriately, and et cetera. And so legally, he got cleared of all this and passed a lie detector and whatever. But Colorado was in such a place with those allegations they were like we can't even take folks there's a lot of colt brennan's now how did colt brennan's football story end he was 19 and colorado said you're out you're a stud recruit at quarterback big program you're out he looked around and because of the accusations and the invest he's like i didn't got any options he went to saddleback community college then he went to hawaii which is where most of us picked up the story he was a sixth-round pick in the NFL, and he played some. Do you know how, how – he was a Hawaii quarterback who was a sixth-round pick. Do you know how rare that is? It's so rare that it has never happened before or since. The only quarterback when he was taken in the sixth round in 2008, only one Hawaii quarterback had ever been taken in the draft, ever. A guy named Larry Arnold in 1970 – the Rams took Larry Arnold, quarterback Hawaii, in a round that doesn't exist anymore. After Larry Arnold wrapped up his U of H career, setting a program record of 31 career touchdowns, Colt Brendan threw 58 in 2006. For a Hawaii quarterback, for you to spend a draft pick on that guy? Colt Brendan had an unbelievable career. He had to find a place that would let him play. And that's what Saddleback said, we'll take you. And then Hawaii and June Jones were like, all right, we'll try. Nobody else at the big level would take him. I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm saying economics is now driving college football more than ever before, and I mean times 100, literally. And if there is a shortcut, a way for a program with on-field results, and I'm not talking a program like Saddleback, or Hawaii. I'm talking about a program like Virginia or TCU who got a taste of the big stage but then got told back to the kids' table. Or Illinois where the coach knows I have to win or I'm out anyway. So, young man, what really happened in Boulder? If with no pending felony charges, he's a $1.5 million quarterback on the market, and, hey, we don't have $1.5 million because, hey, we're, we're Syracuse. But we do have the op. We have the 12 games. And it's better to get your numbers in the Atlantic Coast Conference versus slanging it for UTSA or Saddleback Community College or going way, way, way out to the island. So you will see Power 5 programs who don't have name, image, likeness, what are they looking for right now? What is every – and specifically at quarterback, but folks, defensive end, corner, third receiver. If a program can get a name, image, likeness caliber player without having to pay name, image, likeness money because we ain't got it. The opportunity for a Colt Brennan who gets kicked out of Colorado because – bad touch 
the opportunity will not be a community college and then June Jones, who has always been that weird outsider anyway. No, you'll be back at the big table. Just you'll be doing it without name, image, likeness. There is the payoff that is coming. So it is a whole new list of opportunities because we can we can punch up. Every program without name, image, likeness budget is looking to punch up. And if you can get a four-star quarterback just because you're willing to look the other way. And I heard Aaron Hernandez described when he was at Florida as we know he's a time bomb. We're just hoping he doesn't go boom while he's here. Heath, familiar? Uh, there were certainly some concerns back in those days, yes. Okay. Well, Not necessarily as bad as it turned out to be, but no. concerns. <laughs> and so there have always been coaches and staffs and programs who look the other way. Academics? I don't know. I don't, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know this. Kansas State has been portrayed as 13th grade because Coach Schneider would go to a JUCO, shake the tree, and just scoop up a whole recruiting class. I don't know if it's easy to get into Kansas State or stay in Kansas State or graduate from Kansas State, and I don't even know if they care if the kids graduate from Kansas State. I'm just telling you, K-State, when he arrived, they would play five homecomings every single year. Theirs and, like, four road games would say, yeah, we'll play the Wildcats for homecoming. It was nuclear winner at Kansas State. He took over the worst program, one of them in history. And he got him number 2 in America with a guy named Michael Bishop. If you care, go watch some Michael Bishop stuff. He was fab. So they had to punch up. That was the version in the 90s with Coach Snyder. I think it could be the version now. Yeah, K-State absolutely was one of those schools. Michigan State was another. Nebraska back in the day was one of those schools. I don't know if they can't be anymore, but Look the other way. If there was a kid that you were recruiting for your school and it was like you know georgia florida tennessee and then k-state michigan state then you're like oh it's one of those kids and, okay it's and one it, of those kids and so i don't know about you know i have a friend of mine a girl named sarah who graduated from kansas state she's a very smart person to me uh, i have no idea about the caliber of that education other than oh if you're a juco no 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 if you're a juco offensive lineman at butler you can get in Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. It's Monday on Chuck Oliver show, and I just hit refresh. Ohio State has not gathered in another former blue chip recruit from another program. They've already gotten plenty. Uh, you talk about a program that I had given the number earlier in the pro up through 2005 through the kickoff of this season, Ohio state donors to the athletic department in those years, $536 million in donations. And I want even top 10. Now I know it's not dollar for dollar in donations and name image likeness and exactly the same thing. Let's get in there. When I hear Dave Doran give an on-camera speech following a win over North Carolina saying, y'all, y'all break out your checkbooks. There's a connection. Ohio State decided to get serious, man, and they are reeling in the stars. Want to welcome on right now from 247. He's the national recruiting analyst and our truest reporter. Want to welcome on Cooper Patagna. Cooper, welcome back, friend. How are you? 
I appreciate you, Chuck, and doing great, man. Let's talk uh, Ohio State, name, name, image, likeness, incoming transfers. Um, give me the whole, all the layers to the onion because they brought in some huge names. Well, I think it, it starts with Michigan winning the national championship, right? I mean, I think you look at Ryan Day's track record in the Big Ten. I don't think he's lost to, to a Big Ten opponent outside of Michigan. So you look at the last three years and – you know, I think this has caused a really uh, good team uh, with sustainable success and a lot of continuity from the years of Urban Meyer to Ryan Day to really step it up. You know, we, we've we talked a lot here at 24-7 Sports about what teams might be affected the most and impacted the most by the NIL era and, and um, the transfer portal. Well, there's been a lot of signs that Ohio State has been one of those teams that's been impacted directly, not so much that they're going to fall off the face of the earth, uh, but they've taken a little bit of a step back. So they went on offense after this year, I think, uh, a loss to Michigan head-to-head and then seeing Michigan have the success that they've had and, and win the national championship has caused them to be a lot more aggressive. And you see guys like Caleb Downs at the market, the number one player uh, in the country that was available at the time, Julian Sane as well, uh, another bounce back from Alabama, and not to mention Quinshawn Jenkins, right, who we I think we all knew publicly there was a pretty high dollar amount uh, when it came to him. So they're getting aggressive. I think they need to – I think they understand that there is a window of opportunity, and they're trying to go from good to great, and the expectation is national championships. And this offseason, this is how they've responded, uh, basically pushing in all their chips and, and trying to make a run at the championship here in 2024. Um, I haven't seen Julian Sam play except online. I've seen Caleb Downs play. He's a star. Uh, but have you eyeballed saying like, what is, what is his game? What is Ryan day getting? What is the idea there? Because he decided, all right, Kyle McCord, that's not it. So I'll bring in a couple of transfers. Will Howard as well. But saying is the kid that intrigues me. Yeah, he's a pretty interesting cat. We got to see him at the Elite 11 Finals in in July against some of the best arms out there. Dylan Riola, Aaron Nolan, another guy that he's going to join. Uh, that quarterback room with DJ Lagway as well. And guess what? He took on the hardware elite 11 MVP. And, you know, I know it's, uh, you know, underwear Olympics out there, but just in terms of, of, of the way that he, he kind of commanded the football out there, that's where he's different. I think he's got the highest floor of any, any quarterback prospect in the class. And you got a couple guys ahead of him that, you know, are dripping a physical upside, but in terms of knowing what you're getting in a player, I mean, this is a guy that I think for over his last two years completed over 70% of his passes at, at Carlsbad in San Diego. So uh, more of a seasoned vet type of presence. He might need a year or two really kind of kind of put on some weight, and we'll see what shakes out in that quarterback room there in Columbus. Um, but this is a guy that is one of the best distributors of the football uh, in, in, in this cycle coming out. So you think about Ohio State, and you think about what they have on the perimeter with some of these guys. I mean, obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. off to the NFL uh, but they are not short on talent at the receiver position. That starts with the number one player in the country and Jeremiah Smith. So if you can find a way to get those guys the football consistently, not to mention they gotta they got to fortify the offensive line and get the running game going, and they got Travion Henderson and, and Quinshawn Jenkins. But they're going to have a lot of firepower, and they just need the guy uh, not to be a, a win-because-of guy, but he's got to be good enough. And I think Julian Sane is certainly that guy two or three years from now. Let's just talk about program direction, et cetera, and what a fan, for instance, of Alabama may be expecting. Because um, we've talked about Alabama. We hadn't talked a whole lot about Caleb DeBoer. They were all kinds of bad when he showed up, and they were dysfunctional too. Um, tell me what you know about 
taking over at Washington, it becoming that in two seasons, and all right, now I'm moving on to Alabama. Um, it 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 is way tough, but for totally different reasons. What he's stepping into versus what he did a couple of years back. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, 17 of their 22 starters uh, came from the previous regime, not Jimmy Lake, but Chris Peterson, right, uh, at Washington. So he stepped in to a better situation than I think a lot of people know. Um, now, give him credit for the job that he has done, obviously, in player development scheme, maximizing potential. They bring in guys like Penix. They bring in guys like Dylan Johnson, Jalen Polk, Jabbar Muhammad. They did a really good job of adding some seasoning to that roster. And by all means, he was a true difference in, in really getting the most out of that team. Um, but it wasn't like this huge roster turnover that now that we're accustomed to seeing in college football. He comes to Alabama, and I think the biggest question with Kalen DeBoer is going to be the recruiting chops, right? And, and, and this is the question. that They didn't have a top 25 class at Washington when he was there, uh, and that was certainly an area you kind of wondered, all right, we've seen 20-plus wins in the first two years. What's it going to look like in year three, year four? Penix gone, Adunze, McMillan, Jalen Polk, most of your receiving core. Have they backloaded that talent? And then a transactional world that we live in, he could find himself in the same situation in Tuscaloosa. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Alabama still, even with the departures of guys like Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor, so on and so forth, still has one of the most talented rosters in all of college football. So if he can maximize that over the next two years in his first two seasons, it then shows, hey, I got the track record over yeah. the last four years. I'm one of the best coaches in the country. He's, to me, the first 24 months are absolutely critical for him. They cannot leak water. I think he, he's got to continue to hold the Alabama standard at an all-time high on the field. And if he can do that, I think the recruiting will follow. Wrapping up, a couple of more names, Cooper Patagna. Um, I want to, first of all, and you mentioned Caden Proctor there. Um, he might have been homesick. I don't know. Uh, I know he was hurt a little bit. I know he was a true freshman. A lot of stuff going on. Um, do you think he can be that next level, like elite guy, like we got used to a lot of the true freshmen who started on Alabama's offensive line, Van? Absolutely. You know, we had him ranked the, the number one tackle in the country. And, you know, he went through his ups and downs as I think any true freshman who started 14 games yep. at a SEC West program would go through, right? Francis Malanoa was a second-ranked tackle. He, he did a phenomenal job at Miami. Both those guys were day-one starters. I just think it was part of the, the, the growth process for Caden uh, Proctor. You think about kind of who he comps to a little bit, Tristan Wirth out of Iowa. I think both those guys uh, are pretty similar in what they can do. Um, yeah, I absolutely do think he can be that guy. Is he going to be that, that corner protector, left tackle? He might might end up being more of a right tackle at the end of the day. But um, certainly I think Caden Proctor can live up to the billing and be a top 32 draft choice here in the next couple of years. That, that wouldn't shock me at all. All right, last thing for Cooper Patagna, because he knows what it is when it comes to recruiting. Um, Lance Hurd, big time, huge recruit to LSU, and now he's on Rocky Top. Um, just tell me about Lance Hurd, the ball player. What do you think? Because he played in uh, it was blowouts and special teams and other stuff, but he was on the field for 12 games for LSU, so that's something. Tell me what you think he is. Yeah, he got a couple starts, and this one hurts in Baton Rouge because, you know, he's a five-star talent. Uh, a guy that Brad Davis, Brian Kelly would have loved to to kept there. And now in today's age, you just never know. But uh, he's plug and play, man. Big physical frame, athletic. I think he could play either side. LSU was loaded at the tackle position. They kind of had him working on the right side. But 
I think if, if, if you ask him to play left, he could do that as well. He's a little bit stiff, but when he gets his paws on you, he's got 36-inch arms. It's over. Um, so in terms of what you're looking for, this was one of the best available, if not the best available tackle outside of Caden Proctor on the market. Absolute home run get for, for Tennessee and Josh Heupel. You couldn't have done any better. Um, I expect him to be an all-conference player, uh, potentially even better, you know, so we had him in the top 32. They just don't, uh, there's not a lot of guys that look like what he looks like and can move the way yeah. that he does, yeah. and, and not to mention the strength and power as well. All right, and this was one of them. You just kind of hit on them. My last question was going to be, it seems every coach who, we've got a couple of scholarships, or right, what are you looking for? Another offensive lineman and another corner. Um, tell me how picked clean those are right now. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, a lot of volatility at that position, and you wonder, right? You ask the question, why would Lancer go test the market? Well, somebody's going to pay him, right? If LSU's not going to pay him, Tennessee's yep. probably going to pay him. If you're a corner, right, and, and I'm not, and that dollar sign is not matching up for what you think you're worth, go test the market. And the odds are, if you're at a premium position, pass rusher is the same somebody's probably going to pay you, right? So we've seen that with Tennessee. We've seen that at some of these other positions as well. Um, for these guys to test the market, it, it, it's only an advantage to them as they, let's just call it what it is, negotiate their NIL with the school of, of their choice. Oh, yeah, and it was almost – people were speculating about Caleb Downs, and I was like, if he jumps into the portal, it's almost – just to protect your interest. Um, it's almost, you know, it, it, you're not giving yourself the fairest chance possible. And so then you get your deal, I guess, and move on. Cooper, I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for the insight. Thank you, Chuck. Cooper Patagna, 247. Almost as due diligence, I will portal to have the option. And I can just get right back out. But the 30 days is not closed, folks. Do we understand that? Like, there still could be some more names jumping into this. And we were talking as recently as last, I guess it was Tuesday, and how it could be just a formality, not a formality, but again, a uh, do. I'm going to just give myself the option, and then he's in, and then Ohio State just is on him like a bad rash. And they got an elite kid back there, big, big kid, too. Um, elite player back there. So you've already started at Alabama, and now you're going to start at Ohio State, assuming health, and you'll do something next year. I don't know. if You know what? It is coming. I want to say Jadavion Clowney was the first, but or most recently the first, but set out your junior year. You showed what you can do, and somebody's going to do it. Big Mike Williams. I don't want to body shame, but he was big Mike Williams. And Maurice Claret, they both – Mike Williams was a receiver for USC back in the early 00s. He got big. And he and Maurice Claret both sat out their third seasons, but just because they got themselves in Dutch eligibility-wise because they were insisting let us go after only two years and then sort of time ran out and they didn't get to play. And then there was something about a rental car in Columbus and whatever. Um, But – that idea about set out your junior year. Uh, okay. Do you remember now Marcus Lattimore would have been a great choice for this as it turns out didn't happen. And now he's sort of just, I, I don't know this. When I saw Marcus Lattimore got, Hey, jump in. You have insight. When I saw Marcus Lattimore got hired at South Carolina, I was like, that's a program doing the right thing. I didn't even know what he does. Is, is he, like Vince Young got hired at Texas to walk around and be Vince Young, and he screwed that up. 
Um, is Marcus kind of there to be Marcus? Well, he's not there anymore. He's out in Oregon and uh, worked for a little bit with a, a Division three program out there. But he he's mostly spending his days writing poetry um, and, and involved with some youth activities. He he is uh, he's an interesting dude. I think it's safe to say he has decided to move on beyond the college football industrial complex. But when he was there at South Carolina, he was certainly appreciated as a, a legend of the program and a guy that the players could relate to while he was there yeah they always talk about ambassador or liaison or something and if you're not been i don't mean to beat up on vince young but vince young like the absolute last rung is your alma mater hiring you just to kind of hang out and be you don't screw that one up like it's the last one and so it would have been great for Marcus, but it didn't happen. And then there was the injury, and then there was the other injury. And then he even, I think, maybe had a redshirt year with the Niners, sort of, and it just wasn't going to work. Jadavion Clowney, this got a lot of run. That kid doesn't need to play. That kid, no, he's proved everything. That kid doesn't need. Folks, that was nonstop conversation for weeks leading up to Jadavion's third season. Do you know what the response is going to be this when you hear that next? Oh, yeah, that receiver at Arizona State's already done it. Like the quarterback at Penn State's already announced. The D end at Minnesota's already. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, Chuck, do you remember the COVID year? Obviously, there were kids that sat out that season. Totally. And, and the stereotype had been, you mentioned Mike Williams. That's a guy who it felt like never got his career back on track after the year he spent away from football. We've seen some really good players never fully recover from a year away from football. Deshaun Watson is a guy that looks like he may never get his career back on track after spending a full year not playing football because voluntarily, not injury, not yeah. rehabbing, not around the team, just saying, I'm not here. And so you look at that. Who were two of the most high-profile guys from that year, 2020, that sat out? Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase. And the minute that those guys came into the league and immediately Kaboom. started tearing people apart, it's like, okay, now you can't now, – now you don't have that boogeyman of, hey, if you take a year, you'll be sorry. Yep. It'll all fall apart. Now, on both sides of the ball, it's like, yeah, no, I'm going to be just fine, thanks. They might not, but there's no longer the boogeyman to scare them. I'm with you. It's going to start happening. So, and it's not even going to be a response. It's not even, it's not, talk about conference. Couldn't get enough of that conversation about how the undoing of the sport. Now, oh yeah, that's already happened. <laughs> Promise you. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll wrap up on this Monday next. to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. The confidence and energy our young players got from that game. I mean, they didn't want to leave the field. They didn't want to leave the locker room. My first team meeting, I've never seen guys so excited. We lose about three guys who played in that game. That's it. And what we were able to do in those 12 to 15 practices, we, we went at it hard, like a spring ball, hard, ones versus ones. And our young guys got bet better. They were ready to play. Jeff Hathley, he's the VC head coach, and he's talking about, we've always said, hey, you know, who's motivated, who cares about playing in the game? And like, actually, it's who you're going to have. It's a big shift ahead of a bowl game and all of the bowl schedule. Well, BC had a bowl game against Southern Methodist, and Pony's a good squad. And Boston College finished with, they were 6-6 six and six to finish with a winning record because they came out and took care, care of Southern Methodist. And he's saying it was a motivated roster. 
And so it's kind of an old school thing there that, yeah, we cared a little bit. Uh, and maybe SMU, maybe, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't have as many of their players because uh, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl wasn't necessarily as important in Dallas as it was in in Boston. Um, so that's the BC head coach. Uh, I do want to circle back to something I'd mentioned earlier on the show. I'd said Milo's in Tuscaloosa on McFarland gets cheeseburger. You get the unsweet tea, get the sweet tea. It's fantastic. It's diabetes in a cup, but, um, they have a great brewed unsweet version with Splenda. Fab. So get the unsweet tea with Splenda and then get the cheeseburger with extra brown sauce. Well, I will say with a lot of attitude and judgment in the commercial break he's like excuse me what is what is brown sauce and i was like i don't know but get extra brown sauce he's like i don't think i want brown sauce on my cheeseburger i was like no you don't want brown sauce you want extra brown sauce uh i don't necessarily know what's in it i did google milo's cheeseburger brown sauce it's described as a mysterious savory brown condiment so i'll take it and in fact extra so that's what you get at Milo's when you get the cheeseburger with the extra brown sauce and you just swathe it in there and it just is magical stuff. Heath, if you hadn't experienced it, you need to experience it. How's your Monday? Well, my Monday's good. I, again, when I'm looking for what I put on my food, I'm not sure mysterious is what I'm going savory, for. Savory, though. What about savory? Savory could be all right, but I, I like it to be a less mysterious savory. But that's just me. I'm sure it's delightful. America's filled with many quality food traditions. Uh One note from the weekend, Chuck, that we haven't touched on yet that I think is interesting here. Uh, Chip Kelly is making, apparently, eyes with the NFL and vice versa. Not to be a head coach. That to ship sailed, obviously. But Chip Kelly is 60 years old, and he's 35 and 34 at UCLA. 25 and 13 the last three seasons. But the recruiting, the the, the strategy of we're going to put Chip Kelly in L.A., and even though Chip Kelly's not known for being a big recruiter, because he's in L.A., there's so much talent right around, it'll just kind of fall into the basket for him, has not worked out. He's openly said he'd rather get transfers, basically kind of the same philosophy why some coaches would rather deal with NFL guys in the first place, that these guys are a little more grown up, they know what they're doing, I don't want to deal with with young kids. You land a five-star in Dante Moore, he's gone after a semester uh, because apparently, again, Chip Kelly doesn't want to deal with young kids. According to Jonathan Jones of CBS, Kelly is being looked at for NFL offensive coordinator jobs by multiple teams. So we may have another domino to fall in the college coaching search. And and I am fascinated if this happens, Chuck. One, because, look, we'll see how Chip does in the NFL. My guess is as a coordinator, he'd probably do fine. But that UCLA job is one of the jobs in college football that has underachieved for so long, no matter who they put in the role. Uh, they've tried former head coaches from the NFL. This case, they tried a guy who had succeeded in the conference and taken Oregon to a national title game. There's just no logical reason why UCLA should be mediocre to bad at football, and yet they always are. And now that you're going into the Big Ten, I think more than ever, Chip looks at it and says, who am I kidding? I'm not going to. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't going to work. Uh, I am fascinated if this job does open up to see what UCLA does. Do they say we care and we're ready to compete in the Big Ten, or they just mail this sucker in? Yeah, and they got Big Ten money now. And when I say Big Ten, you know who doesn't have Big Ten money? You know Rutgers won't have full share of Big Ten money until 2027? With the deficits they've got, they will never have it because they're paying down the last 10, 15 years forever. UCLA and USC, they get a full share. And so, 
don't know, 30 million when you're in the Pac-12? That's pretty good. What's even better? I don't know, like 90 million. That's a lot, lot better. And Rutgers is looking over here going, yeah, it's still better than the deal we had. So wraps it up on a Monday, folks. Appreciate everybody coming here. 22 hours from now. Be back with more college football conversation. Check out the show. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.